0: Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth podcast. The so amazing, so amazing, so amazing, it's amazing. Addition, as the Bengals look to advance to the Super Bowl for the second straight year by beating the Kansas City Chiefs on their home field. Coming up, I'll talk to tight end Hayden Hurst and share where I have him ranked among the greatest hurdlers of all time. We'll hear from Ted Karras on the condition of his injured knee and discuss the remarkable performance of the Bengals' offensive line last week with NFL Network analyst Brian Baldinger. And finally, in this week's Know the Foe segment, we'll get the skinny on the Chiefs from Adam Teicher, who covers the team for ESPN. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. Find both inside the Bengals app. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing, wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since No Excuses Gear. Back in 2019, when Bengals safety Michael Thomas was playing for the New York Giants, he decided that No Excuses would be his personal slogan for the season and shared that message with friends when he got to training camp a buddy back home in Houston sent him a care package that included a hat he had made that featured the word excuses in bold white letters with a red slash through it when Michael wore that hat to camp teammates like Saquon Barkley and Eli Manning asked where he got it and when he wore it to a local mall he got stopped by several people asking the same question so He started a No Excuses clothing brand, and perhaps you've seen Bengals players and coaches wearing hats and hoodies featuring that message this year. If you're interested, you can check out the catalog at noexcusesshop.com. The gear not only looks good, but it helps raise money for academic scholarships for kids in Michael's hometown. Now, let's get to football. The Bengals have done a remarkable job in free agency in recent years. In 2020, they signed DJ Reeder and Von Bell. Last year, they added Trey Hendrickson, Mike Hilton, and Chittabea Wujie. And this year, they beefed up the offensive line by signing Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, and La'El Collins. But that's not all they did this year. They also signed tight end Hayden Hurst, to a one-year, $3.5 million deal, making him one of the biggest bargains in the league at his position. I caught up with the 29-year-old this week. All right, Hayden, here is my current list of the greatest hurdlers of all time. Edwin Moses, number one. Ronaldo Nehemiah, number two. Hayden Hurst, number three. Last week at Buffalo, it's was a seven-point game, about five minutes to go in the third quarter. Third down and ten, you go up and over a defensive back for a key first down. The Bengals score a touchdown on that drive. Could you tell in the moment
1: the significance of that hurdle? Honestly, no. Um, I, when I get out there and I put my helmet on, I just I'm just having fun. Um, obviously, I know the situation is third down, third and long, and I need to get the, the first down. Um, as far as like how crucial in the moment it was, I didn't really cross my mind. I'm just trying to pick up first downs. I think that's kind of my M.O. here. I'm kind of the first down guy. So, you know, Joe checks it down and trusts me to go get 10 yards, and, you know, I go get 12. Um, I kind of saw him gathering himself a little bit. I knew he was going to go low. You know, he's a DB. Um, so went up top, Just kind of, I guess, my thing. When do you make that decision? It's really it's a more of a reaction thing. I think if you go into it being like, I'm going to hurdle this guy, it's when you get dumped. Um, I definitely <laughs> – I learned my lesson in college. Uh, I got dumped in college. So, I mean, you get got every once in a while in this game, but, you know, I get mine more than I get got. So it's <laughs> it's fun now.
0: Well, that kind of happened in the first Buffalo game. You went to hurdle Jordan Poyer, and he more or less was standing up by mm-hmm. the time you went airborne. It was kind of a helmet-to-the-butt the uh,
1: collision. Yeah. What did you think when you watched the replay? I got over him. He just grabbed my foot on the way down. He, he asked me about it um, on Sunday. He was like, he was like, what you got going on, trying to hurdle everybody? And I was like, I'll be honest, Jordan, I black out. I have no idea what I do out there. I just go out and have fun, man. He started laughing. So,
0: We're talking to Hayden Hurst. Your hurdle moments have gone viral, but so did a block you made in the Tennessee game earlier this year. You wiped out Bud Dupree. I almost felt badly for him. When you came here, you came with a reputation of being a great receiver, not necessarily a great blocker. Was your reputation wrong, or have you vastly improved as a blocker this year?
1: I've definitely improved. You know, James has kind of helped me take my game in the run game to a completely different level. But, I mean, you can watch my tape since I've been in the league. I've always kind of had that chip on my shoulder, just play physical. Um, That's just, that's my M.O. You know, when I line up in front of a guy, I take it personal. You know, I think he thinks that he's more alpha than me, stronger than me, better than me, so I take it personal, and it's just what I do. I go fly around and don't really care about my body and whatever it takes to win. You mentioned your tight ends coach James Casey. You guys
0: seem inseparable. Like you, he played professional baseball before he ever played
1: college football. I don't know if that's part of the link, but what is it between you two guys? We just get along uh, very, very well. You know, we've had we have the same kind of background, similar story, you know, same life experiences, um, and then mentally we're wired the same. You know, he was a, a physical, you know, crazy crazy player when he played. For, you know, for the Eagles and the Texans, um, and that's. I think that's why we hit it off so well. You know, he kind of understands my mindset heading into a game on Sunday. He knows I'm going to be prepared and he knows that I take it personal. You know, I don't I don't show up and worry about Instagram or likes or shit like that. Like I go out there and I want to I want people to feel me.
0: You caught a touchdown pass last week against Buffalo. It's third down and 7. The Bills converge on Jamar Chase and leave you open right at the goal line. Was that one of those plays where you could sense the likelihood of how well it was going to work.
1: Yes, I mean, throughout the week, we called it. We understood like what they were probably going to run defensively down there in the red zone, um, and then we kind of had a little like a little fake check in there too. And as soon as you know, we fake checked it out to Jamar, they started communicating, and I kind of looked at their communication, looked at Joe, and I was like, "They're going to mess this up." And sure enough, they converged on. On Jamar, and you know, I popped wide open, and I saw the ball in the air, and I was just kind of waiting for it to come down. That's one of those that kind of hang up there forever. Other than missing three games with a calf injury this year, has this first year with the Bengals been everything you hoped it would be? Absolutely. Um, I told you on the sideline after we had the game, kind of clinched that this time last year, I was sitting at my house in Florida with my family watching the divisional game on TV, and it's just it's crazy how life comes full circle. You, know, you got to keep fighting, You've got to be resilient. And you know I've kind of fought myself into this position, and now we're talking to AFC Championship, so it's kind of surreal. You face the Chiefs on Sunday.
0: The tight end on the opposite side of the field is obviously one of the best. Travis Kelsey put up crazy numbers this year, 110 catches, more than 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns. You probably won't get as many targets as he does on Sunday, mm-hmm. but do you go into a game like that thinking, I am going to show that I am the best tight end on the field
1: that day? I don't try to worry about numbers. I, it's, it's a different offense. You know, Travis is you know their focal point. Uh, he's going to get his targets. He's going to get his catches. Obviously, he should. He's the best tight end in the NFL. Um, going into a game like this, um, I really just want to put on display what I'm all about. You know, I'm not worried about other guys or what they're going to do and things like that. You know, defensively, we'll, we'll have a plan to try to stop him. Um, but I'm focused on what I need to do to help this team win, whatever that is. Third down catches, red zone catches. I'm just going to go in there, lock in, and do my job. It's going to be cold on Sunday. They're calling for a temperature in the
0: mid-20s. The wind chill in New England on Christmas Eve was 4 degrees. You always warm up in the crop top, midsection exposed. Will that be the
1: case on Sunday, and if so, why? We've won 10 in a row, man. I can't stop now. Yeah, It's crop top season all year round, I guess. Got to roll with it. You know, I'm not that superstitious, but now that you mention it, you better wear the crop top. Oh, It'll come out, absolutely. Doesn't matter.
0: Congratulations on an awesome season today. Best of luck in the AFC Championship game. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. I consider myself one of the least superstitious people in the world, but during the game on Sunday, I will be using the pen that I've been using throughout the winning streak. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you in part by Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet capable of delivering multi-gigabit speeds designed to take your home, business, and community to a new level. Elevate your connection with Alta Fiber. Back to the subject of cold weather in Kansas City. The current forecast for Sunday night calls for highs in the mid twenties, lows around ten degrees, with a wind chill as low as five below. That's cold, so it's good to know that the Bengals have Joe Burr at quarterback. Jay Morrison of The Athletic pointed out last week that the Bengals are now 7-0 and with Burrow at QB when the temperature is 35 degrees or colder. And consider the two games with the worst weather that the Bengals have played in this year. In New England, the temperature was 17 degrees and the wind chill was 4. Burrow threw for 284 yards and three touchdowns in the first half. Then, last week in that snowstorm in Buffalo... Joe started the game nine for nine with two touchdowns and finished with a passer rating of one oh one point nine Here's offensive coordinator Brian
2: callahan. I don't think anything has any impact on him <laughs> truthfully um,
1: he's just he, he he can compartmentalize as good as anybody um, weather doesn't bother him I mean, he's you know I'm sure he's proud to be from Athens where it's probably cold and miserable from like November on as you get out in the, the winter months but He's played in those games his whole life. He's played in that weather. It doesn't bother him. Um, you know, it takes a lot to, to get his mind off of the task at hand, and it's, he's laser-focused, and weather, snow, rain, cold, it doesn't phase him in the, in the least bit.
2: I think he actually rather enjoys it, to be honest. <laughs> he's a little bit of a mutter like that. He likes that.
0: Of course, a key reason why Joe excelled last week was the stellar play of the Bengals' injury-ravaged offensive line. It appears that Jonah Williams and Alex Kappa might be able to play in the Super Bowl if the Bengals make it, but they haven't practiced this week, so it's likely that Jackson Carmen and Max Sharping will start again, along with Hakeem Adeniji in place of La'El Collins. Here's Ted Karras on the O-line. Considering the stakes last week and the injuries you guys had up front, was that one of your proudest days as an O-lineman? It was.
3: It's always hard to get a win in that stadium. My season had ended two years in a row there in
0: terrible fashion. I was glad third time was a charm. I think everybody's wondering about the status of your knee at this point.
3: Ready to go. Practice well today. You know, we're going to go out there and practice again tomorrow and, and go out and perform our best on Sunday afternoon or evening. What did you think of Jackson? I thought he played phenomenal. I think he proved he can play tackle in this league. Um, in a big moment and had a really good game. We're going to need another great performance out of him. He's got a big matchup with uh, Frank Clark, and that's going to be another, another test for him. But I know he's up for the challenge. He's going to help us win the game.
0: Chris Jones is first team All-Pro. You mentioned Frank Clark. How good is their front?
3: They have a very good front. Well coached, good coach over there, good culture, a lot of good players. Uh, the young guy, Karloftis, is another standout. So we, we have our work cut out for us. I think we started well today. And we're going to need to do that these next two days in order to play our best on Sunday.
0: Chris Jones is a giant. He's 6'6", 310 pounds, and had 15 and a half sacks this year. That's fourth most in the NFL and number one among interior linemen. The Bengals Booth podcast is brought to you by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. With more than 120 care facilities and 1,500 care providers, Kettering Health is committed to guiding you to your best health. Visit KetteringHealth.org to learn more. There are a ton of people doing great video breakdowns of the X's and O's on TV and social media, and one of my favorites is Brian Baldinger from the NFL Network who does Baldy's Breakdowns. I had a chance to discuss the Bengals and Chiefs with him this week. Brian, you were an NFL offensive lineman for 11 years. How would you describe the performance of the Bengals
2: offensive line last week, missing three starters? It was brilliant. It was a brilliant performance by Jackson at left tackle and Max at right guard and Akeem at right tackle. I mean, you wouldn't know that they were the backups. And that's a credit to Frank Pollack, the offensive line, uh, the coaching, uh, because it's not easy in those conditions against a really good defense. But I um, mean, it was one of the best offensive performances they've had all year. And you really can't fall, find a lot of bad plays or missed assignments or anything from that those three right now.
0: Let me follow up specifically on Jackson Carmen. He was a left tackle at Clemson. He played guard last year as a rookie in the NFL. He was back at left tackle last week. What did you think of him specifically, and how comfortable did he look back at tackle?
2: Well, you know, he he got in there, you know, obviously with the injury to, uh, you know, uh, to Jonah the week before. So he got in there against Baltimore, and I thought he played well until the very end. And then I thought it was just really a matter of time working, you know, with Bolson and and just kind of, feeling his way in there. But I thought fundamentally his sets were good. He's a big two-hand puncher. You don't see a lot of that anymore. Uh, but he didn't get out over his skis against, uh, you know, a variety of rushers against Buffalo. Uh, I thought he was excellent in the run game. So, I mean, the run game really kind of took off and flourished, obviously, uh, you know, with what Joe did and what uh, Samaje did. So I thought, it was, I thought it was really good. I thought he was solid. You wouldn't know that this is his first start. In the NFL, at left tackle, and I—I I think I'm right. And so he looked really comfortable there, like like you know, part of the reason why they took him out of Clemson is they thought he could probably play left tackle. Obviously, they had him at guard last year, um, but look, uh, he, he's going to get—he's going to get challenged this week in a way, uh, you know, from a variety of rushers again that you know are pretty good at what they do in an atmosphere that's tough to play in. So the bigger test is this week. But I, I thought he answered all the questions, and you know, the best thing is. You never talked about him during the game. You know, that's, that's like, the, that's like the, the greatest thing you could say about an offensive lineman, especially a kid making his first start, is you never said anything about him the whole game.
0: Brian, at one point during the game last week, you tweeted very simply, Joey B doesn't miss. When you're watching Joe Burrow, what makes you shake your head and say, this kid's unbelievable?
2: You know, when I said that, I, I don't know how many complete in a row, like first six or whatever it was, you know, including a touchdown. But I think it's just that, you know, everything in this world, I don't care what you do, you throw a football, um, you know, you learn how to spin a basketball on your finger. Like, I don't care what it is. Like everything is difficult before it gets easy. And for Joe, he just makes it look easy. Like he's going through progressions, you know, about as fast as you can go through a progression, yet the footwork, the delivery, the fundamentals are all there to make sure the ball is thrown at the right spot and that's obviously not easy to do and very few can do it yet here he is in his third year and he's doing it like on a consistent basis oh by the way it's snowing out it's cold uh it's a slick field it's in hostile territory and you wouldn't know you know I mean, he could be in his backyard in athens ohio you know throwing to his dad or something it, it wouldn't be any different probably
0: We're visiting with Brian Baldinger from the NFL Network. You did a Baldi's Breakdown this week on Mike Hilton. The dude is 5'9", 184 pounds. You referred to him as a pit bull.
2: What makes Mike Hilton so special? I think uh, the fact that, uh, A, he does everything full speed. You know, the blitzes are full speed. Defeating blocks at the line of scrimmage is full speed. Bracketing in double coverage, you know, on Stephon Diggs. Like, it's just... It's just like he plays the game very fast and you wouldn't know that he's five nine, you know, in 190 pounds and change. You wouldn't know it, you know, by the way he plays, because you shouldn't be able to play the game that fast, hit that hard, attack Josh Allen's throwing arm like the way he does um, as fast as he does, unless you are completely 100% confident in what you're doing. And so I think a, he's very well-prepared assignment wise, like, like, you know, it's, it's really special, but it's just, It's just a full-speed, full-attack approach that he has play in, play out.
0: So on Sunday, the Bengals are going to try to beat Kansas City for the fourth time in about 13 months. Lou Anarumo has done an incredible job of containing Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs offense.
2: What do you think of Lou? I I think of him in the highest regard. Like, he's, as a tactician, like, I think he's as good as there is in the whole business. Um, The things that, like, the things he did last year in the championship game, you know, at halftime down 21, three were remarkable, but you could see like, but if you wait till halftime to make adjustments, sometimes, sometimes it's too late. Right. So you see it, but just the game planning, like his ability to say, okay, this is the guy that can beat us. You know, whether it's Stefan Diggs last week or whether it's Travis Kelsey in some of these games, like he's going to do his best to take your number one option away in the passing game. And that's, you know, not everybody can do that because, you know, Stephon Diggs and Travis Kelsey, <clears throat> they're all over the place, Dan. You know, they, they're not in one place where it's kind of easy to say, okay, this is how we're going to double. Like you've got to have a variety of ways to double depending where he's at. And and then, you know, it, it, it really helps to have DJ Reader healthy in this defense. Like everybody needs that big guy in the middle. Uh, you know, it helps that BJ's playing really well and Tupo's playing well and you know, Sai is healthy, like all those things are good. But I, I think saying, okay, this is the number one option they have, whether it's third down or red zone, or this is the big play guy and to have a plan to take him away. that's, that's something I think that Lou specializes in.
0: So the big storyline this week is obviously the status of Patrick Mahomes, right ankle, assuming that he is less mobile than usual. What will Andy Reid and the chiefs try to do?
2: Well, I think, you know, if you're building a game plan against, you know, with a, a hobbled patch Mahomes, because none of us believe he's going to be anywhere near 100%. So, you know, the first thing is, um, you know, make sure he's protected. You know, like Jet McKinnon is a great personal protector. Mike Hilton comes on a blitz like we saw last week. Um, I think Jet McKinnon is capable of nullifying that. Now, it helps that, you know, you don't always know where it's coming from. But Jet McKinnon's a great personal protector. Then they have run the ball. Isaiah Pacheco had his one of his best games ever last week. Like he's he's a good number one running back. And they're good up front. So you run the ball more. Find ways to run it. You know, whether it's Cardarius Tony on fly sweeps and things like that, you know, like your victory against San Francisco. Well, the their victory against San Francisco this week. I mean, McCall Hardman was going sideways, scoring touchdowns that day. So like find different ways to run it. And then like do you always have Travis Kelsey. He's your safety blanket. You know, whether it's tight end screens or stick routes or, un, you know, just his ability to uncover against anything is is elite. And then if you're going to take shots down the field, you know, whether it's to Marquez Valdez-Scantling or whether it's to Noah Gray, whoever it is, make sure that you're, that you have max protection, make sure the edges are protected and Trey Hendrickson isn't coming free at you or, you know, whether it's Logan Wilson up the middle, whatever the, the pressure is, Like, make sure you can account for it to give Mahomes time. Because I I think the idea that Mahomes can do what he has done for six, five straight years now is to to extend these plays. Like, I I don't know that you can count on that. I think he'll still try to do some of it, but he's not going to be 100% to do it. So I, I would say that package of things I just said are things you can lean on.
0: We started with the Bengals' offensive line. It was excellent last week, but it was a one-game sample size. How good is the Chiefs' defensive front led by Chris Jones?
2: Chris Jones is a handful. I mean, if you leave him one-on-one, I don't care who's in front of him. Um, he's he's a handful, and he's going to win one-on-ones. So I think it starts with Chris, and they move him around. They don't leave him in just one place. I mean, he the three-technique defensive tackle, uh, but they don't put him outside on the edge, and you know, work him against offensive tackles. They'll loop him on stunts. So it starts with him. But, you know, Karloftis is a good rusher. Dana is a good rusher. Um, Dunlop, as you know, um, you know from years, his years in Cincinnati, is a good rusher. Um, you know, so they, and Frank Clark is an explosive player. Oh, and by the way, Steve Magnola has been, you know, the defense coordinator of two Super Bowl championship teams. So just the way Lou can dial up, you know, certain pressures and situations. So can Steve. And if you get to the red zone and you're a threat to score a touchdown, you can bet zero coverage is coming. Zero blitzes are coming. Um, he's going to challenge you. And so you have to factor all those things in to your offense line out. Like they they know how to protect Joe when they have to. And so they might have to you know, help the offense line in at, at, at times.
0: Last thing, Brian, what are a couple of your biggest keys
2: on Sunday? Well, I think I don't have any fear obviously with the success they've had about against Kansas city and last week against Buffalo. But the first thing you have to do as an offense is you have to handle the atmosphere. You know, you have to handle the noise, the atmosphere, every third down, they're going to be on their feet. They know they're one step away from a super bowl. So you're going to get the chiefs best from their fan base, you know, in this game. And so it doesn't look like any of this bothers Joe, but it can bother a keen. It can bother Jackson. There's guys that, you know, can be affected by that. So as a group, they got to handle that, number one. I think if they put, it looks like they want to play LeJarrius Snead in the slot. Uh, And so Jalen Watson's outside, you know, you got two rookie corners out there. Um, I got to believe that, you know, Jamar and T are going to get chances on the outside against these guys. And so a lot of them are contested catches. Um, I like your receivers against their corners. Joe's going to give it to them and a chance to do it and to see what kind of damage they can inflict. I think that's important. And then, you know, the running game was really good last week. It was really good. And you know, when that happens, like Joe's going to be even better when the running game takes off. So I think those three things um, are, are going to be affect our game plan wise. Like if the Bengals win, those things are going to happen. And then defensively, like, look, Kelsey is their guy. I mean, I I think they can handle Juju. I think they can handle all the other guys. Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Sky Moore, whatever it is. But, you know, Kelsey scored two touchdowns last week. Like, he's a red zone demon. So can they continue to nullify or reduce Travis Kelsey's impact in the game? Brian, we love talking football
0: with you. Thanks so much for your time. Keep up the great work.
2: Thank you, Dan. look forward to breaking this championship Sunday game down. Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor.
0: More than twenty-nine thousand customers trust Paycor to help them recruit, pay, engage, and retain employees. Learn more at paycor.com. Now, time for this week's Know the Foe segment, and for the latest on the Chiefs, I spoke to Adam Teicher, who covers the team for ESPN. Adam, we are not going to know how mobile Patrick Mahomes is on his uh, injured right ankle until he takes the field on Sunday assuming he can't run around as much as he usually does what will the chiefs do to offset that on offense
4: yeah that's the uh million dollar question right um you know andy reed's got some work to do there um people don't think of him in those terms necessarily but that the, the scrambling the running big part of his game uh You remember the Bengals spied him in the second half of the AFC championship game, did a nice job, took that away from him. And that was part of the reason they were able to come back. A big reason they were able to come back. He led the league in outside the pocket passes during the regular season, 113 of those didn't have any after the injury. So is that part of his game going to be gone? You know, he's very good from the pocket too. He had the best QBR in the league throwing from the pocket during the regular season, but Now that the Bengals know about all this, he seems like he's a moving uh, sitting target. So um, it's a dilemma for Andy Reid, and he's going to earn his paycheck for sure on Sunday because um, they've got a lot of work to do to get him ready for this game.
0: I didn't realize it until reading a few stories this week, but there is a little bit of a history here. He had a high ankle sprain. Now it was the left ankle, not the right a few years ago. And in the next game, he threw for four touchdown passes against the Raiders. Does that say something about his ability to overcome whatever physical ailment he might be dealing with? Yeah, it does. Um, I don't Know that that injury was quite
4: like this one. He never had to come out of the game. I mean, he was hobbling around a little bit. There's no doubt about that at the time, but it was. It didn't seem like it was as bad as this one. So, uh, but uh, certainly, um, you know, he he's uh, determined to get to, to do what he can to get ready to play this game. So we'll see uh, on Sunday how well he is. But uh, certainly, uh,
0: this is a, an important thing to him, no doubt. We are talking to Adam Teicher, who covers the Chiefs for ESPN. We know all about Travis Kelsey here in Cincinnati, dating back to his uh, UC days. He was targeted 17 times last week. He had 14 catches, two for touchdowns. The Bengals held him to four catches back in December. How dependent are the Chiefs right now on Travis Kelsey? A lot. And in
4: particular, if you have a quarterback who can't do the things he normally does, uh, um, you know they needed him in a big way with with the backup quarterback for one drive and with Mahomes hobbled for the rest of the game they really needed Travis Kelsey and, and he really picked up his game so um you know he'll it, be a big factor on uh on Sunday for sure and um you know he's sort of Mahome's security blanket he's the guy he goes to when uh, when when times are tough and uh so um yeah he, he needs to have a big game on Sunday no doubt about
0: it So 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy is the best seventh round draft pick in the NFL this year. Isaiah Pacheco is probably number two on the list. He's been terrific for Kansas city. How has he impacted the offense and how important is he on Sunday?
4: Yeah. You know, you you would think the chiefs will try to run the ball, maybe a little more, although I never really count on that with Andy Reid. That's not his, uh, that's not his thing. He's a throw first quote uh, play caller, as we know. So, uh, I never predict that, but you would think that that would make a lot of sense. And uh, Pacheco has certainly done a nice job for the Chiefs. He's revitalized their running game. Um, they have uh, Jer- Jerick McKinnon as their uh, their passing uh, running back, and he's done a nice job there. And McK- So they've sort of become a nice one-two combination. And uh, it- it's hard to see the Chiefs winning without a, a decent contribution on Sunday from Pacheco.
0: So this is going to be the fourth meeting between these two teams in about 13 months. The Bengals have won three nail biters. Is there something that stands out to you from a Kansas City perspective that the Bengals have been able to do that other teams have not?
4: I think they've been able to get some matchups. They've done a favorable job of getting some matchups that they really liked, uh, particularly on offense. They've done a nice job of uh, creating some things. I think m- maybe more than some other opponents that have been favorable to uh, favorable to them, and then taking advantage of those things. Uh, I feel like the Chiefs have not done a good job of getting Joe Burrow on the ground. I mean, they had four sacks in the regular season game last year and then um, I think only one in each of the last two games against the Bengals, so they they need to do a better job of that. I mean, they they were second in the league in sacks this year, but only could get to him one time in the game a, a few weeks ago, so, uh, you know, that's another thing that they've done well, the Chiefs have done well against other teams, but not necessarily against the, uh, the Bengals, and, uh, you know, a lot of it just comes down to Cincinnati has just made the plays when it really counted. You remember that that big fourth down pass in the regular season game last year uh, to to Jamar Chase when the Chiefs came with an all-out blitz. It took a perfect pass and, and a great catch, and uh, they, they certainly executed it well. So uh, um, the, the Bengals have just done a remarkable job of getting
0: it done when it had to be done against the Chiefs. They really have. Couple more questions for Adam Teicher from ESPN. Let me follow up on the pass rush. The Bengals' offensive line was battered last week, but played great against Buffalo. Now it's a one-game sample size. Kansas City's defensive front is led by All-Pro Chris Jones. How has that group played this year?
4: It's been a nice year for them. They they haven't been consistent. Maybe you know in, in, in the Cincinnati game is a, a, a kind of a. a noticeable. uh, One of the things that I'm talking about that they, uh, that was one of the games. They just weren't uh, what they had been most of the season, but uh, they've done a nice job, particularly getting after the quarterback. And, um, you know, Chris Jones has had a nice season, his best season. Uh, he, he tied his career high with sacks, 15 and a half, but he's been a more consistent presence this year, I think, than he was back in 2018 when he also had 15 and a half. They've got a, a rookie, George Carloftis, who has played well the second half of the season, uh, defensive ends. So though, they, they've got some depth there as well. Carlos Dunlap, the former Bengal, Frank Clark. Uh, so they, they've got some players who can get after the quarterback. And uh, I'm, I'm eager to see what they have. Cooked up on Sunday, but uh, it, by and large, that
0: group has done a nice job. The Chiefs have never been an underdog in Patrick Mahomes' 12 career playoff games. Kansas City opened as a slight favorite for this game. Now it's swung. The Bengals are at least currently a slight favorite. In Kansas City, what's the vibe? Does it feel like the Chiefs are an underdog this week? Yeah,
4: I, I think given. The all the uncertainty with Patrick Mahomes, yes, and I, I think the Bengals have a lot to do with that. Um, you know, they've beaten the Chiefs three times, although all three close games. I think there's a lot of uh, in in the town, not necessarily among the team, but there's a little bit of uh, angst there. Oh no, the Bengals! Uh, you know, we we can't beat the Bengals. You know, that kind of stuff from Chiefs fans, but. Um, um, so it's that it's the ankle uh, to Mahomes and and I think a little bit of it is the way the Bengals played in Buffalo. I mean that was that was one of the more dominant uh, playoff performances of the season I think. Uh um you know the Bengals just controlled that thing right from the start and you never really felt once it got to 14 to nothing you never really felt the Bills were a factor in that game and and Buffalo's a good team. So uh and doing it in Buffalo in the snow that was an impressive uh, performance. So that that opened my Eyes a little bit. I I guarantee you that. So uh, it's going to be tough. The Chiefs are going to have to play well if they're going to win on Sunday. I don't think there's any doubt about that.
0: Last thing for Adam Teicher from ESPN. From your perspective, seeing this team every week, Kansas City wins and advances to the Super Bowl if the Chiefs do what? I'm going to give you a couple answers there. They have to get Joe Burrow on the ground.
4: If they can sack him and create, I'm going to say a couple. turnovers take a couple possessions away from the Bengals that way I think they can win this game I think they can do enough offensively I I feel like if they can get after Burrow and create a couple turnovers
0: and and protect the ball themselves I think they'll be I think that is the recipe for a Chiefs win I know it's a crazy busy time for you you are on uh, Mahomes ankle watch so I appreciate you uh, working us in and uh, enjoy the game on Sunday thank you absolutely Dan take care that's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth podcast, presented by Kettering Health, the official healthcare provider of the Bengals, by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals, the free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs, by Paycor, the official HR software provider of the Bengals, and by Alta Fiber, future proof fiber internet. Elevate your connection with Altafiber.